Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will everybody say praise the Lord? Praise God. I want to thank Brother and Sister Vice for taking that time out to scrub everything for us. Praise God. You know, I'm not one of these guys. I don't, I don't like the smell of bleach. I don't like the smell of Clorox. My wife, when she cleans, I hit the door. I'm out. Uh, stuff just gives me a headache, that, that strong smell of bleach. But this, this time of year, you don't mind smelling it because you know it's cleaning stuff. Trying to get everything ready for us. So, once again, just be very conscientious about, you know, don't be hugging anybody, taking selfies. shaking hands. They're telling us now, don't even fist bump or elbow. I don't know what cat hair is going on, but uh, you know how it is. So um, I told my wife, I'm supposed to go for a test on Tuesday, and I said, yeah, you never get in this early, like a few days out. I said, hmm, something ain't right here. Usually they put you off for a month and a half or so, you know. So then I got on the, on the it was funny, I got on the radio, and I'm listening to the doctors on the radio say, any non-essential, da da da. Just put it off for a while if it's not essential. If it's your life, then yes, go ahead and get it done. You know. Romans, the first chapter, and Habakkuk, the second chapter. But you know what? Isn't God good? Doesn't? Isn't it good to know that our God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but we have uh, one of a sound mind, and we have faith and hope and confidence in God. And even though we know that fear is a very strong thing, strong, it's very strong. How many's ever, how many's ever come under a spirit of fear that just, or anxiety or stuff like that? It's very strong. And sometimes if you don't, it's like depression. If you've never had depression, don't criticize somebody that's going through depression because you really don't know what they're going through. It's a pretty, it's a struggle. It's a battle. Praise God. But we're glad you're here today. Amen, and uh, God is good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, from Romans the first chapter, verse 17. Paul's talking here. He says, "For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith." When I go to Habakkuk the second chapter, it's a it's a quite lengthy reading here, verses one through eleven. But if you will. Be so kind to kind of follow me here. Uh, it's one thing I like about my laptop, or my, not a laptop, but my iPad, because I can just take my fingers down on the page and widen it a little bit, and that print goes from here to like this. It's pretty cool, you know. It's also let me know that my eyes are getting a little sketchy. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, I will stand upon, upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Everybody say an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, 
He is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all the nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a, a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long? And to him that ladeth himself with th thick clay. Shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and wake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee, because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, and the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe unto him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. And then verse 11 says, For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Praise God. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's put our Bibles down and raise our hands together right now. Let's pray and just ask the Lord to minister to us here in the next few moments. Lord God, we thank you for your word once again today. Our faith, our hope, our trust is completely in you. Amen. Even though we are in the midst of a a, a world situation, pandemic, where people are fearful and a lot of lives are being affected by it. We're glad to be in your house of worship this morning to lift you up and to give you that honor and praise that you are so deserving of. I pray, God, that you bless your word today. Let our ears be anointed to hear, our hearts open to receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Praise God. God bless you. you may be seated. Here in our text today, uh, I believe that God has given everybody, all of us, a measure of faith. Everybody say a measure of faith. And there's not one person living, I don't think, that, that, that does not have faith. I think God has given us that measure. In fact, when you talk about the scientists, you talk about the philosophers, you talk about the professors at our higher uh, learning education centers, all the educations, they say, they say they cannot believe in God because it takes faith. It's hard for them to believe in something that is not tangible or that they can't bring a result in some form or fashion. Yet those same people will get in their cars and they will travel greater than 70 miles an hour and have faith in something they cannot see to stop them. Right? Amen. They have faith. Air will always be there to breathe. How many takes note of that? Do you, always, do you sit around and worry about whether the air is going to be there the next moment? It's an involuntary thing that God placed in us. We just breathe. We just breathe. Amen. You, you'll, you'll notice it. You don't pay attention too much until it changes odors a little bit. And then you'll say, what was that smell? What is that? Sometimes we'll go out of church and 
we realize that the, the water treatment plant over here towards Trenton is uh, up and running because you're sort of the, not the water treatment, it's the, uh, it's the uh, what is it called? Uh, sewage plant, thank you. And because you can smell it. Yeah. It smells wonderful. Or that, that whiff of that pig farm when the wind just shifts and starts blowing across your direction. That's when you realize something has changed. Amen. They have faith in the air that they will always breathe it. They have faith uh, their email will always make it to where they're sending it, the destination. Even though it breaks up into many 53-bit packets, disperses to many unknown parts of the world, and is reassembled at someone else's email box. We don't think about that. Elder, we just sit down, we click it in, hit send, and it goes. In fact, uh, sometimes I'll be sitting talking with somebody. We'll be talking about it, and I'll get, I'll get my email out, my phone, I'll get the email out, and I'll, we'll be across the desk drinking a cup of coffee or whatever, and I'll say, here, let me send it to you. And I'll send it to them as though it's going to jump from my phone over the table to their phone, and they get it right then. And then I'll ask them, did you get that? Did you get that email? Not yet, not yet. And maybe about a minute later or whatever, all of a sudden, cha-ching, it's in that. But what we don't realize is, is it went out and went up to some tower, started dancing all over the place, 53 different bits, and then when it came back down, boom, it came down in that email form, and you get that. We have faith in that. The scientists and those guys that don't have faith in God have faith in that. So they have faith in the unknown, unseen, unprovable, cataclysmic, uh, event, uh, cataclysmic event that supposedly started life. And, and basically on that note, I was thinking about evolution and, and, one, and, and wondered why people still drown if animals and people evolve to adapt to their needs of survival. Why? Why does that happen? These great minds have faith in everything that I'm just talking about. Yet they say they can't believe in God because it takes faith. They'll believe that that plane's going to stay in the air <clears throat> when you can't see nothing underneath it. And believe you me, I've been 30 plus thousand feet before and all of a sudden I start thinking about what's keeping this thing in the air. Have you ever done that before? I had a guy tell me one time or was trying to encourage me that if, if a big plane like that, you know, loses some, uh, you know, they can still lose an engine or loses something. There was a certain plane, I don't know which one it was, but it was a bigger plane. And they said, you know, you got about 90 miles yeah, 90 miles to what? To think about crashing? <laughs> yeah, that's not helping my faith any. But the fact of it is, they'll believe in all kinds of stuff that really takes faith. You've got to really believe that, that whatever that science is or whatever that engine, whatever that, that, that piece of is working, you've got to have faith in that. So they can have faith. You know, I propose <clears throat> that they do have faith, they just don't know it. Amen. They just don't know where to place that kind of faith. <clears throat> Everyone is born with a measure of faith, right? 
That's why our faith here today is important. I have faith in God. I have faith in the unseen. Why? Amen. I may not be able to see it physically, but I felt it. Hallelujah. How about your faith? Where's your faith at right now? Amen. I think we need to live or have what's what, I, what, what I would call and other people have called a living faith. Everybody say a living faith. <clears throat> we need living faith in our lives. And living faith takes us from doubt to confidence. Now you listen to the, uh, the news, the radio, and everything going on today with what we got with this coronavirus, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19, <clears throat> and you read about it, it's wanting to take you from confidence to, to fear. And, to, uh, and, and then they'll say, but we're not trying to cause fear, but... But really, to be honest with you right now, I think the kind of faith that we have, amen, takes us from doubt to faith or doubt to confidence that says my Redeemer still lives. Hallelujah. He's still the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He still is the healer. He's still the balm in Gilead. He's still the great physician. Amen. So although we live in a world of fear, I don't have to, I don't have to dabble in the world of fear Amen, because I can pray and talk to God and seek reprieve in that area from Him. Amen. So living faith, living faith takes us from doubt to confidence. Now, I also believe it'll take you, uh, a living faith will take you from questions uh, to answers. Uh, also, it'll take you from, from perplexity to purpose. Uh, I think living faith will... Uh, take you from anxiety to assuredness. That's what living for God's all about. That's why we as Pentecostals in this day and time and in the year 2020 need to move from doubt to faith. Doubt to faith. Because every child of God at some point in their life enters that arena of doubt. Doesn't make no difference who we are. Nobody's exempt from it. You're going to move into that arena of doubt. Our problem is not the visit to that arena of doubt, but our problem comes if we make our residence there. If we put down stakes and we build our tent or we build our residence and we decide we're going to stay in that arena of doubt because the arena of doubt is Satan's goal to cause us basically to doubt God. He wants you and I to doubt God's presence or to, to doubt that God cares about us or to doubt that, that, that God can really do what we read the Scripture as the Scripture tells us. <clears throat> he wants you to doubt in the healing power of God. He wants you to doubt in, the, in, the, in the, the Spirit of God that's moving in our lives. He wants you to doubt that. He wants to put that in your heart, put that in your mind, and cause you to take up residence in the, in the, in the arena of doubt. But that's not the will of God. Everybody say that's not the will of God. We all visit it. But we don't need to intend on staying there. So, Genesis the third chapter, verse 1. Let me try to make the case here a little bit. The Bible says, now the 
serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of, the, of, every, eat of every tree of the garden. So he posed a question to her. He was trying to use the word of God. Uh, and he was using the word of God to uh, cause her to doubt. So basically, what his, his uh, and this is what the, de- the enemy still does the same thing to you and I today. Amen. He wants to cause us, just like Eve, to doubt the word of God. To doubt the word of God. Because the next step of Satan after he brings doubt is to lie. He brought doubt into Eve's minds and then he lied. He used the word to pose a question, but then he lied. That's what the devil does all the time. In fact, in verse 4 it said, And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. God said, You will die. He said, No, you won't surely die. See, there's, there, there, there is a death, there is a death, my friend, that is worse than the literal death that you're, of your body passing from this life and going in back to going into the ground and going back to the elements and, and ashes, ashes, dust, and dust, going back. Uh, you know, to the, uh, to, to the earth from which it came. There's, there is a death worse than that, and that death is being separated from God for all of eternity. Because if just death was all we had to face, then why worry about anything? Amen. But the enemy is there to try to steal the hope, the faith that we have in God and create doubt and unbelief in His Word. <clears throat> so, there are seven conditions mentioned in the book of Habakkuk, our text that we have read uh, in Habakkuk 2.5 that demonstrate, I believe, the power of doubt. Amen. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is that, that Habakkuk was talking about. He said the people transgressed by wine. The people transgressed by wine. Everybody say wine. Now, I'm going to throw something at you here. Uh, you know, we have a lot of drinkers in our society today. Hello? We have a lot of drinkers in our society. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever tried to do a, 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 a case study or, or try to uh, figure out how, many, uh, how much alcohol is consumed? Well, I did a recent one here recently and, and found out. Now, this is just beer alone. Everybody say beer. Beer alone. <clears throat> 7.5 billion gallons of beer was consumed this last year. That's it. That's not including your spirits or your wines or anything else. Just 7.5 gallons of beer. A lot of people like beer. They spent $400 billion on that. And the states ended up getting $21 billion of that. Hence, that's why they have no problem with it. We get $21 billion. So think about that. So back at demonstrating, he talked about it. He said, they, the people transgressed by wine. Now, the people were proud. And, 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 and the second thing here, they were proud. There's, that you understand, there is more arrogance and self-will in our world than ever before. 
Arrogance drives me nuts. Brother Doug, when I see an arrogant person, I want to say to them, you ain't all that. Where, where did you drop out of? What, what did you drop out of? Where, where, who do you think you are? You know? I learned something a long time ago. Everybody, everybody that usually walks around thinking they're all that, when it's all said and done, they ain't much of nothing. Amen. That's the reason why church, I love church. I love people. I love people that are real. I love people that are just down to earth. I love people that, 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 just, uh, uh, that, that fit in and love God. I think that's what it's all about. Just understand that, you know what? You can have what you want to have, but stay humble, stay kind, stay real, amen, with people that are around you because that's what it's all about. Arrogance is just it's stupidity to me. <clears throat> and there's more arrogance and self-will in our world than, than, than we could ever imagine. And, and the Bible said the people, I'm, I'm still talking about Habakkuk here, says the people, there's seven things, the people did not stay at home. Everybody say they didn't stay at home. You know, there are a lot of people that just are nervous. And, 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 and a lot of people, they are, there, are, there are those who feel that they need to change their surroundings continually in order to be happy. They got to they gotta move here, they got to move there. They don't like this, they don't like that. And they do all this kind of stuff or, or they'll go from job to job because they just can't find that thing that will make them happy. Right? They're trying to find it. Yet they aren't. That's, that's what I tell you in the spiritual realm. You know, you can go here, go there, go somewhere else, and you're, gonna, you're not going to find it until you find Jesus and you're willing to sit down at his feet for a while and let him begin to speak into your life. Oh, let's clap our hands and praise him again. Hallelujah this morning. So there are those that feel the need to change the surroundings continually in order to be happy. The next one is, there was a desire, the desire, the desire in them is enlarged like hell. You know, the Bible says that hell enlarges itself daily. See, we understand that hell wasn't really created for God's creation, but yet the devil and the angels, but yet because of sin, we've been thrown into that kettle and that cauldron and all of a sudden, Unless our way out, unless we make things right with God, our destiny is at is, is a place called hell. Amen. It's a place called hell. So the desire, he said, in them desire is enlarged like hell. In other words, hell is never satisfied with just the devils and the souls that it has received. It's always enlarging itself. And the people spoken of in this passage are those who consume greedily. And, and are never satisfied. Again, another point here in, in Habakkuk, their desire is likened unto death. It's likened unto death. Wow. The next point is their desires are never satisfied. Never, everybody say never satisfied. That's what this is all about. It's you got to you got to realize, uh, you know what's that what's that old song? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Isn't that what it's all about? Only Jesus. Look, the world you will never you will never be satisfied in the world. And what Habakkuk is saying is that they 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 were never satisfied. 
that was a continued uh, 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 desire in their heart. They could not satisfy that desire and they went after it and went after it and kept reaching for it and reaching for it. You will not find that kind of happiness. Your desire will never be quenched in the world. It will never be quenched in the world. Amen. Never be satisfied. And, and then that's the reason why we're here today. You know, even in the midst of all this stuff, our desire is to be in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because we realize and we understand that it is our desire to know Him. And to know Him in the power of His resurrection. To know Him, amen, in, in, in all of His glory. That's what it is. That's what this is all about. I want to know Him. I desire him. But Habakkuk said they desire, their desire was never satisfied. He goes on to say they gather every nation and all people unto them. So what is that talking about there? That basically speaks of consuming people. There are those who will use you. There are those who will abuse you. And when they are done, they will cast you aside. Or as we would say, they would spit you out like nothing. It's what happens in society. It's what we're talking about here. They'll gather every, everybody to themselves, and it speaks of consuming. But once you're done with them, you spit them out. It's what the devil does. It's what the enemy does to us. He'll use you, abuse you, and then when it's all said and done, no need for you. All this describes what people do and how they are. When they live, notice what, what Habakkuk's talking about, when they live in doubt. You see, our whole relationship, folks, stems off of our faith in God. Our whole relationship stems on knowing Him. Amen? Do you believe that today? That's what this is all In knowing Him, in knowing Him. Amen? To know that He's my Redeemer, to know that He's my soon-coming King, to know that He's my Healer. Amen? To know that I can talk to Him no matter you know, what day, uh, what time it is of the day or of the night, amen. I know I can call on the name of the Lord, and I know He is there for me. Praise God. <clears throat> amen. So living in that arena of doubt brings nothing but chaos and destruction in your life. It's imperative that we don't linger in that, in that place, but, but we move to the the pinnacle of faith. You see, prayer rises, right? Prayer rises. And when I begin to talk to the Lord, I, I believe a lot of times, and I don't know how you feel, but sometimes you can be in the, what we call the mully grubs, or you can be down. You might be going through a problem, a sickness or something in your life, and you really, it's just, you're just kind of there. But isn't it amazing about prayer? It's amazing, something amazing about prayer. Because when you begin to talk to God, when you begin to talk to God, it's almost like you get on a ladder and you begin to climb a little higher. And you're climbing above your situation, your doubts, amen, the unbelief, the things that's going on. And all of a sudden you're, getting, you're climbing to that pinnacle in the presence of God because it's there where God will remind you that you are still His. That He will remind you that that, 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 that you, are, you, you are still in his care and everything is going to be all right. It's not, it's not, you're not going to find it on this level. You've got to climb in prayer. Amen. And that's what happens to us. That's what happens to us. 
It's imperative that we don't linger in that arena of doubt for long periods of time. But climb. Habakkuk, Habakkuk helps us in verse 4 when he says this. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Paul also tells us in Romans 1.17, he said this again. Let me read it again. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, we don't live our lives by, by a, a, a mere mortal human comprehension. But we live by, 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 by faith, our faith in God. Our faith in God uh, honestly perplexes the greatest minds of men. They can't understand it. I was reading, uh, uh, it was, well, I, I would consider it early this morning because it was almost 2 o'clock. And I was reading about uh, uh, one of our world leaders that is trying to get a thing passed in, the con in their Congress uh, that he will be able to serve until 2036 to bring stability and stuff like that to the nation of Russia. And then uh, they're going to uh, uh, add some things to that constitution that talks about marriage, uh, you know, and this is what caught my attention, is that it said, you know, it would be in there that, that they're against gay marriage, but then it also had another little thing there where it talked about, uh, about God uh, because, they were, because that's part of their fundamental, but now it's not going to mention anything about God. And I looked at that for a moment. I'm thinking, okay, so basically what you're saying is is that your government, your, your government is the God. Your government is the God. And government, God, and, and this has already happened in, in Russia, so it's, it's no, it doesn't take a rocket science, but, but their faith in man, it's almost like they are humanistic. They're humanistic. There is no faith. They may, they may, I don't know if you would call everybody atheistic, but they're most definitely agnostic to where they don't know whether there is or there is not a God. Amen. So understand this today. There's a lot of people in the world that this faith deal, this God deal perplexes their mind. They can't wrap their mind around how great our God is. They can't wrap their mind around how, how wonderful He is. Even all the way back in the day when, when the disciples were being persecuted and, and, and many of them were taken out and being killed, they couldn't understand. People couldn't understand why they wouldn't pick up and, and fight against them. But why they humbled to the words and lowered themselves to the words and, 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 and of Jesus' Jesus's teachings and stuff. It didn't make sense to their mind. You know, but we understand. Just have a little talk with Jesus. Right? Tell him all about your troubles. He says he can hear your faintest cry. He will answer by and by. I know a little prayer wheel's turning. That's why, we, that's why we're doing another 20 days of prayer and fasting. That's why we're doing it because we know it works. Because we know it changes the hearts and lives of people. Because it knows that we're talking to God, not just one person, two people, three people, but 50 or 60 or more people are talking to God and fasting and giving their heart. Why? Because we believe in this. Oh, let's clap our hands and praise Him.
Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.25. He said, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. <laughs> Let me read that again. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, the most powerful minds of man stand in confusion. While we live a life of clarity, truly I do believe doubt destroys while faith saves. Doubt destroys while faith saves. Faith is more than just a crutch to the weak and feeble. Our faith is a bastion of stability. Do you believe that today? Faith puts you on another level. Faith will help you stand firm when the winds of life begin to blow against you. I was watching a video about 49 minutes of a hotel that was being built in Dubai. All the way from the conception of it and what, the, uh, what they wanted and the architects and all the different people, the various people that came together to make this thing happen. There was some, there was some uh, uh, they early on when they were trying to build this little island off the coast where they wanted this hotel to go up. It's 350, it's entirely taller than the Empire State Building. It's, you need to go online and look at it. It's a seven-star uh, hotel. It's absolutely amazing. But there was some adversity there at the beginning when the, when the storms would come off of the uh, Arabian Sea and pound, and they had to figure it out, and they had to put their minds together and say, okay, how are, are we uh, going to come up with something that will be able to take the, the, the shock of those waves and be able to, and so they come up with this thing, these, these uh, cubes, and they were holes in them and how the water would swirl through and all that. So now that, that, that it was going to be able to withstand. Let me stop and tell you this right now. You, you might get one storm and it might blow you off your feet. But you got to be determined to get in the Word of God and say, okay, God, we got to figure this out. Amen. I, I, I've got to find, I've got to, the remedies in the Word. You, God, are the one that's going to help me, amen, to build, build my life in a measure to where when the storms of life come against me, my faith, my hope, amen, is, is, is in you, and my mind is clear, and I know that no matter what comes against me, I will stand. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Everybody say, I will stand. Amen. While those around me are crumbling in their doubt, amen, I'm going to live happy and strong in my faith. Amen. The world, the world may come crashing down. Our world may come crashing down around us. Yet I can still believe and have faith in my God. He's still alive and well, right? <clears throat> There's nobody like him. <laughs> There's nobody like him. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter how I feel, I can come to this pulpit and be as tired as all get out. I can, I can feel like I go back and take a nap. I could, I could feel like I could take a day off 
Amen. I can feel all those things because my body is telling me one thing, but if there's something about when you get in the presence of God, amen, you're, you're, there's something happens to the strength and something happens to you and, and you, you, begin to, you begin to put yourself in that place where God can do something. And that's what it's all about. Even if the world comes crashing down, I still have faith in God. You know, the disciples came to the withered fig tree. And Peter said, look at the fig tree, Lord, that you've cursed. And what, what did the Lord say to him? He said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So whatever you look in your life and you say, this is not, you know, it's, it's, it's not doing good. It's, it's, it's pretty bare. When you look at the word, it says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. No matter, no matter how bad it gets. Let me just tell you here, no matter how bad it gets, have faith in God. No matter what you hear on the news today or tomorrow or the next day, have faith in God. Right? Have faith. Everybody say, have faith in God. In fact, shout it, have faith in God. No matter the strength of the adversity, have faith in God. No matter the worry and confusion, have faith in God. No matter, no matter how bad the pain gets, have faith in God. No matter how hot the furnace gets, have faith in God. No matter, Lazarus, no matter that Lazarus has been dead for four days, have faith in God. No matter you've been blind all your life, have faith in God. No matter the amount of persecution that comes your way, have faith in God. No matter the intensity of the struggle, have faith in God. And lastly, if you are in doubt today, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And I close with this. I'm going to read you uh, uh, about Charles Spurgeon. And he's speaking. And Spurgeon speaks of an evening when he was riding home after a heavy day's work. And he felt weary. He felt depressed. When as suddenly as a lightning flash, this verse came to him. My grace is sufficient for thee. He said, I should think it is the Lord. And he burst out laughing. It seemed to make unbelief so absurd. It was as if some little fish being very thirsty was troubled about drinking the river dry. And the river says, Drink away, little fish. My stream is sufficient for thee. Or it seemed like a little mouse in the granaries of Egypt after seven years of plenty, fearing it might die in famine. And Joseph might say, cheer up, little mouse. My granaries are sufficient for thee. Again, I imagine a man away up on a yonder mountain saying to himself, I fear I shall exhaust all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth might say, breathe away, old man. And fill thy lungs ever, my atmosphere is sufficient for thee. Little faith will bring our souls to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a, what a, what a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. Just, just, just in this moments this morning, you know, my spirit is encouraged. Amen. My faith 
amen, has risen. Why? Because I understand the awesomeness of God. He has not changed. He lies not. His word's settled. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. We're here today in his presence. Hallelujah. And my faith lives on in him knowing, amen, that he loves me and he cares for me and he's on his way, amen, to take me home one of these days. And I want to go there, amen, when that trump of God sounds. What a day that will be. 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 Let's stand together all over this place. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. From doubt to faith. Try it. You'll like it. Reach out for it. It's real. It's as close. Folks, I believe it's tangible to me. Because when I get into prayer, you can feel it. You can feel it touch you. So this morning, for just a moment here today, or however long you want, I want you to come to the front. Just spread out. Put some space between you. Let's at least try to do that. Come on, come quickly or whatever makes you feel comfortable. And we're going to sing and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to, to minister to us, to let His Word resonate in us today to let it speak something to us today. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. Sing it again right now, hallelujah, Lord. 